0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at Supex, the startup expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my Building the Future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Haley Sudbury. She's the founder and CEO at Workin. Haley, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Workin is actually really interesting, and and I'm kind of selfishly interested in it myself. But maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Sure. Well, I grew up in uh, North Queensland in okay. Australia okay. near a region called the Whitsundays, which is full of fantastic uh, islands and is also connected to the Great Barrier Reef.
0: Mm. Very cool. I, I haven't been to Australia, but it's definitely on my list of places I, I need to visit in my <laughs> lifetime. So walk me through kind of your 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 background, kind of What did you kind of take and and walk me through how you kind of got into, you know, you went to university. What did you take there and and why did you decide to take it?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I guess while I was at school, I was sort of uh, throwing up whether I should be an architect or a professional musician. Okay. And uh, as it turned out, I ended up getting a scholarship to one of Australia's uh, top universities. It's called Bond University um, on the Gold Coast where I decided to do a business degree. I mean, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family, so that also felt like a, a pretty good fit for uh, how I knew the world and saw the world, and, and uh, business was very much part of that. So business was my focus at university. I started a small consulting company while I was still at Bond. Essentially, that was to really fund European travels because it's about – as if you've met a few Australians, you know, we do love travel and we do love getting out in the world. So that was really to fund uh, my first international adventure and and traveling through Europe, which uh, achieved that goal. And then after travel and spending some time in Europe, I came back to Australia and really started working in um, the corporate world. I worked out very quickly that whilst it was great to do entrepreneurial things, you know, recruiters do recognize the big names and the big corporates on your resume. So I I moved into the corporate world really with a focus on new product development. I worked in the energy sector first and then moved through into financial services where I kind of made the leap from, I guess, being a subject matter expert into being more of a, a general manager and, and doing great sort of transformation programs in India and then moved to London and uh you know, finished I guess my corporate corporate career at uh, Barclays heading up pricing for uh, the commercial bank and um, that was for uh, all cash that was coming in for commercial customers and um, after that I decided to make the next big leap into moving back quite seriously into entrepreneurship and building companies.
0: Sure, so just to, before we try to get into that, what made you actually decide to move to London?
1: Well, I was at a sort of interesting point in my career where I guess I could have either focused on a a career in Asia because that was a you know it's close to Australia, huge amounts of growth uh, is there and really exciting opportunities. And I was already doing some work there as well to London. So I was at a really interesting point in my career. The opportunities were around moving more into an Asian kind of focus role. like There was a lot of growth in Asia. I was already doing some work there. Or I could potentially come back to Europe and specifically London and be here with a a professional role that, that, you know, paid well. I mean, prior to that, when I was traveling, it was certainly, you know, quite different to, um, you know, working for a large corporate and, and having that sort of benefit in place. So, when the opportunity presented itself between, you know, Asia and, you know, coming back to London for a a big professional role uh, with Barclays, that was, that was actually wildly attractive. And I was pretty excited to be able to be based in London, have great access to Europe, but also great access to North America as well. You know, it's only sort of a seven hour flight, sometimes a six on a good day to New York from London. And, it was just an opportunity, I think, to be a, that little bit more connected with ease to um, to the world.
0: Interesting. No, I, I think that's great. Um, so you get out of the corporate world. You you started kind of your own companies. Walk me through your career up until you decided or came up with the idea for for working.
1: So I, whilst I was still working in. Um, financial services, I had a passion project that connected people around food and drink experiences. It was something I was really interested in. It was also an amazing, you know, creative outlet compared to the the day job. Okay. And around that we built a, a community that we're interested in in connecting. And so really I got to the point after I guess, you know, hitting a few goals in the in the corporate world where it was actually it was time to do something different. And we decided that we would start looking at a way in which we could use technology to connect these great people that had been coming along to these events and these experiences that um, but my co-founder and I had been um, organising. So really that was kind of my first foray into into sort of pure tech where we looked at, I guess, the community building aspects of technology and looking at the power dynamics of networks and what brought you know, great people together and looked at kind of the idea of how would we scale this fantastic experience that we were having with people in London, how we how would we scale that globally. Sure. So we started to build uh, technology that would allow that to happen. And then we 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 started to scale that not just in the UK, but we also did some stuff in the States and nice. also in Spain. Very cool. And that was, you know, a fantastic experience where really I spent a couple of years, you know, flying around the world meeting extraordinary people and I guess the attention there was really this idea around, you know, when you bring great people together, then then great things happen. And and that's something that I've, you know, continued to carry with me, you know, through everything we've done. Sure.
0: No, I, I think that's really great. I am curious, though, you mentioned you have a co-founder. How did you meet your co-founder?
1: Um, so we met, um, Angela is also, Angela Neal is my co-founder who's our chief product officer here at work and we met uh, about nine, probably nine years ago. Okay. Probably, actually, probably almost 10 now I think about it. Time has been flying. Uh, <laughs> good. Here, in, here in London, uh, through, through a, a mutual friend, uh, I'd just um, moved here, obviously, for the second time uh, with this, uh, this banking role. And in Australia, I'd I'd, I'd help set up a soccer or a football team, um, okay. as they call it here in the in the UK, sure. uh, which was an all women's team and um, called PGs. And so we I'd played in this team in uh, in Australia, and then a friend of mine who also played in this team set up kind of an offshoot of that team in London. Cool. And it turned out that Angela played for uh, PGs here in London, and this this friend, this mutual friend uh, that we had, had organised some summer drinks and. Really, Anne and I met, uh, you know, socially and I was sort of sharing and I had this sort of great intention to to make wine and she loved cheese and, you know, we thought, well, why not put a uh, a dairy on the vineyard and that's actually how, you know, the friendship started with this mutual love for, that's uh, you know, fantastic food and drink and, and that, that was really what cemented, I guess, a friendship and then quite quickly a business partnership because we started um, – you know immediately started out what really was a passion project together around you know connecting fantastic people around interesting food and drink experiences. And that was you know the project that that built our sort of our friendship and our business partnership at the same time. So it was maybe it was like our uh, it was like our test run.
0: No, I think that's that's really cool. I always find them kind of fascinating just how people meet their co-founders on stuff. but but I'm curious. How how what is working and how did you come up with the idea
1: for it? Sure. So I guess sort of building on the you know the story of kind of that first technology business, um we were at quite an interesting point actually where we were getting quite a good profile around this community that we'd created, this technology that we had, and we actually had an approach from a large global corporate organization to apply the technology we had to one of their global programs. And so for us, we started to look, you know, really hard at, well actually if we were going to be a, a B2B company, which you know originally sort of wasn't the intention, but if we were going to move the technology we had into being a, a business-to-business offering, what was going to be the real focus for us? What was going to be the value we delivered? What 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 was the thing that we cared about that would continue to you know drive us forward? And for us, it was really the idea of the talent pipeline and and who was in it. As a you know a former former you know female executive um, in a large bank, you know I'd certainly looked around and looked up and not seen loads of other women uh, above me. Um, nor had I seen really any uh, gay women either, which was you know quite important to my own personal journey. Sure. And you know there's a lot of rhetoric in the market around saying you know there's the reason there's no women at the top is because it's a pipeline issue. But we really felt that actually, you know, the reason there was no women at the top is because organizations weren't always supporting the journey for women to move through the talent pipeline to that senior position. They were often doing a great job at recruiting. And, you know, the numbers we look at for, you know, US and, and the UK are you know, partic- particularly at sort of graduate levels, that's that's typically around your 50-50% uh, male, female um Ratios, so it's just that you've got that issue around not moving through the organization. So we looked at that and thought, well actually, look we know this is a problem, but how you know how can we actually deal with it? and when you when you companies had great talent programs and mentoring programs in place, but we thought if we could actually help them shift that into not just being, say mentoring with this idea of sponsorship, a lot of the a lot of the research points to, it's sponsors that make a real difference in your, in your career, both for, you know, men and women, obviously. But we knew that actually if we could help senior leaders and managers not just be mentors but be sponsors, So, and by that I mean actively do things that made a difference to someone's career and also, you know, help them stay, we thought there was a really interesting um, opportunity to, to start really shifting the dial on this. And I guess, you know, at this time, Mobile in enterprise was just um, well, I guess the barriers had had been removed, and companies were looking more and more around how could they better use mobile as well, which which meant from kind of designing a user experience, we could think about a a mobile first product uh, when we first launched, which we also felt like the idea of you know people are drawn to their phones, they are distracted. you know, could we actually? use that to our advantage to help, to help people really be better versions of themselves. And in this case, you know, help them be sponsors of this, you know, female talent in an organization and to help those women actually move through um, into those senior leadership positions.
0: No, I I think it's really great what you guys are doing. It, it's still kind of, well, and maybe uh, like, I, I'm 34, just so we have some context. Right. I, I, I just don't understand like why it's an issue like you should be helping both sexes genders races it doesn't really matter like people move through the company if they want to stay right so it's kind of sad that it's such a big issue but i wanted to have you on the show to kind of talk about what you guys are doing to help bring in other people and i think the best experience that I ever had probably in my entire career was I got to go to this course down in California for, for a summer and take this corporate design course. And there was people from all over the globe and we were in a lecture hall and it was people from you know all over and we each had an assignment every week and we had to put them on the blackboard, print them off, put them on the blackboard and everybody had like 10, 15 minutes to go look at everybody's kind of assignment design project. And then you had to... Go, we go in around the room and everybody had to give their like thoughts and opinions. And one of the biggest eye-opening things for me was people were like, well, this image or this these colors mean this to me, so like I think this. And I think the perfect example and the simplest example that I could think of is like, you take the, the three colors like red, white, and blue. Uh, obviously, somebody in North America, they're probably like, oh, that's the American flag. But if you take the same colors in, in probably parts of Europe, if they're like, oh, that's like the France, right? And so something like as simple as that. But I think just thinking about these things, how people see things from other parts of the world, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about it, not because they don't necessarily want to. It just doesn't come across their radar. Or another good example I heard recently was you take people in a, like in a boat going down like a canal and it's like, oh, to some people, it's like, oh, those people are on holiday, you know, or the other side is like, oh, those people are like refugees. And that was really kind of like a eye-opening couple examples to myself. But do you maybe want to kind of talk about what you guys kind of do? Because I think it's super, super important and much needed kind of globally, not just in kind of North America and, and the UK.
1: Of, of course. And I'm, I think really... All of the examples that you're giving are linked through to the you know the biases we have as as individuals, either either unconscious or or conscious. And we have we have really looked at that, we've unpicked it, and you know, the idea of unconscious bias is something that does affect someone's you know career journey. But we all have them as as men and women. And really the way that we've dealt with this, and at the very heart of our technology, is that work can really aims to change who senior leaders and managers see. So getting away from that idea of just seeing people who are in your line of sight or going to them because they they look and feel like you, but just actually using technology to make that more objective. Sure. And then the second part is really changing what they do. So where companies are being quite progressive at the moment is they are putting in place a lot of um, unconscious bias training. And where that is really helpful is that starts to make you quite aware around, you know, where your biases might exist. Okay. And and why you saw that boat, for example, as maybe, you know, refugees versus people on a holiday. So sure. depending on kind of what's informed that vision. So really what we're looking at doing is is addressing that in a slightly different way. So while she might be aware of what those biases are, unless you actually do something differently, your relationship to that that person who you might have the bias around doesn't actually change, and so for us, the idea of um, nudging, nudging that person in a different direction, and then getting them to do something, it's that action that starts to really start to to positively reinforce someone's neural pathways. Okay. So all of a sudden, it's not just about knowing that this stuff is an issue and it's how you see the world; it's actually about changing what you do for someone in that world and making it a a different action that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily do. And so for us, that's, you know, that's, that's really the big bit. And I mean, I I sort of shared more about this in a recent um, TEDx talk I gave about sort of how to hack the workplace. Sure. Because for me, there's some, you know, there's some very simple wins to be had. And if we do get people to do things differently rather than just learn about it or hear about it, we do start to make radical progress around what is actually happening culturally in an organization. I mean, I think this is not just good for women, it's good for men as well. It's also good for all diverse groups by changing people's relationship with their biases and and you know the individuals who those biases may exist around. So action for us is really everything.
0: Sure. Noah, do you want to share some of those things from that TED talk or should they just go watch the TED talk?
1: Oh, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit visual as well, and it's oh, okay. kind of a small okay. demo, so I think it's definitely uh, something that is, you know, easy to watch, and it's it's only 10 minutes, so okay. um, it's definitely something you can do with a beer or a glass of wine in hand and hopefully <laughs> sure. find it relatively entertaining.
0: So, I, I want to kind of get back into something you mentioned a few minutes ago, but like, so, even just use me as an example, like, how do you maybe work with somebody like me, and like just say you're trying to change my perception on something, could be good or bad, but like, how do you kind of work with somebody to kind of change their perception to, to start actually thinking about things in a different
1: way? So, you know, someone like you, for example, you mentioned you're 34, let's say you worked in a, a large company, um, you know, you you might be a a mentor, for example, on one of the graduate programs. Okay. So for you and your experience in that firm, we would look to make sure that we were giving you visibility to to lots of different individuals that are on that graduate program, not just the um, you know straight young white guy that you know might look and feel like you, for example. And I don't even know how you identify or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I'm married a, with two kids, visual. so just so there you know. go. Yeah. But okay, um, but you could be married to a man, so that's okay. Yeah, no, that's mom. fair too. But but yeah,
0: no, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> okay.
1: What we'd look to do is make sure that you know you were having exposure to that that entire population or individuals in that population, so that you know your experience in that firm was a was a varied one. And then secondly, what we'd be doing is we'd be making sure that you were actively being nudged. To do things for those individuals in a way that, like I explained before, wasn't just about your um, you know learning what your unconscious biases might be and 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 those biases and how they kind of inform the world that you see, sure. but actually promoting actions that um, you know prompted you to do even small things that would be helpful to that that junior person's career. Sure. And then we know essentially that people are having you know fair and equal, opportunities um within that graduate program it's not limited to one demographic for example so that's how we work with you and say a a management um, capacity and then if you were actually someone who maybe was identified to be you know the next kind of director in that firm or someone super senior we'd look at make making sure that your experience was also varied in the type of mentors or peer relationships that um, that you were developing so it wasn't just sticking to say a, a homogeneous group and the way you had a chance to develop skills was also a little bit broader and real-time based rather than say just hiving you off into a room and working on a, a case study which could be a little bit esoteric we'd be making sure that you had access to real development opportunities that actually could add value to the business and also actively develop your skills so that the company could see you outside of your job spec and see the types of work uh, that you were doing, that you were involved in, um, and why that would make you say, in this example, a really great general manager.
0: Okay, interesting. No, I, <clears throat> I think that's great. Like the the thing that I find kind of really interesting about kind of where we are right now is. Especially if you're doing an internet startup, I, I get if you're doing kind of a, a brick and mortar business that people come to every day, like a cafe or something that's down the road in a certain neighborhood, then this, what I'm about to say doesn't really apply. But if, especially if you're building kind of an internet business, like you might launch your product in North America or Europe or, or some other part of the world, but it might take off in a completely other part of the world that maybe you don't know really anything about, or you've never been, or both, but and just kind of understanding why those people like your product or service, and like why it kind of resonates with them, I think only makes your product better, and you could potentially carve off some services or other features for that part of the world, or maybe you need to just focus on that part of the world, or maybe you need to do something different to make sure that you take off in other parts of the world. And so I think just understanding where other people come from doesn't really matter, you know, gender or race or anything like that. Just understanding kind of other people's heritage and backgrounds, I think, can only make your product and service better and also appeal to more people. Have, have you kind of found that?
1: Look, I have and, I mean, you know, we're in essentially scale-up mode as a business, so I'm having a lot of different conversations with a lot of uh, different individuals based in different countries every day and um, it's, I mean, it is quite fascinating from a cultural perspective, even the way the product works right now, which parts of the product people respond to better than than others depending on, um, I guess, the cultural lens that they have and also just thinking about you know in some countries um, you know you you have to have a presence there to be I guess taken seriously as kind of a a tool of of cultural change Uh, so you know we're we're, we're actively looking at that all the time Um, the way we're looking at even you know reward metrics um, differs based on um, countries at the moment as well and um,
0: also age by
1: chance? Age, yeah I mean age Age has been interesting. However, we haven't really seen a massive impact around that. The, okay, the way we we and then that's really predominant because you know the way we designed what has been our kind of our first product in market uh, post you know all of our beta, all of that was designed around the idea of if you can use a smartphone even to send a text, we were confident that you know the product would work for somebody who maybe wasn't know technically advanced or or an early adopter but if they could use their iPhone to send a text we were pretty confident that the technology uh, could work and and cut across age groups and so I guess that hypothesis has really been confirmed and we we haven't found an issue with that I mean we we have a lot of new stuff that is in development at the moment um, which will be interesting to see but really the first product has very much been around it has to be easy to use I mean Yes, the backend's getting, you know, more and more uh, complex, but the user experience has to, you know, has always been designed to get more and more simple so that we can actually be driving, you know, bigger and better outcomes and actually appealing to a, a broader group and making sure that this does work for everybody who does work in a large organization.
0: Sure. So you guys do or help people kind of with mentoring. And I think, at least personally, again, having a mentor or, or many mentors throughout your career, it is like almost invaluable, right? Like it's, it's kind of priceless. I, I feel like you would say the exact same thing, but how do you guys kind of help people either mentor or get mentors within a company or maybe outside of in a company?
1: So, um, at the moment we, we don't have a product that just finds anybody a mentor. So okay. what- What we do is we are absolutely a B2B company uh, where we work with companies that have programs in place or want to put in place a program and, you know, we help them do that. And really the focus for us has been on the ability to help companies manage, measure and scale their diversity and inclusion programs or their career programs. So depending on what they have in place, that's really where, where we help them. And the mentoring is a, a big part of that because that is a core part of these programs succeeding. We also work with some global networks as well to support them with their predominantly mentoring programs. So we do do stuff that does work across industries, across organisations, and they're, you know, really interesting groups, um, everything from, you know, LGBT-focused organisations through to financial um, organization so we have some really interesting pieces there as well however you know we're working with the organization the member the membership organization as our as our client in that okay. case
0: interesting no that's that's really cool I, I, I think that's really great is, is there any advice though that you could give people that are maybe looking for a mentor and kind of how do you kind of go about finding one because I think it can be really challenging sometimes
1: look, I agree. And I think even in, in my life there's been mentors for a moment, if you like. You know, people sure. that come into your life and and can give you that that value, that advice that you need for for a point in time. So I think mentoring relationships, they do they do change and I think they are for a time. So I mean I would I and I always encourage people firstly just to reach out to someone who's been there and done it for the thing that they want to do. You know, so for me personally, I've reached out to other really successful female technologists, female CEOs that have built and led great companies to learn from them or actually work with them on a on a specific challenge that I feel that I'm facing. I think it's less about being random and going, This is a person I just want to get to know, but more about being specific about the thing that you're wanting to work on. And I really do think People respond to that very well. So if you can be specific in your request, that's going to get you a lot closer to that person saying yes, and also being sensitive to the idea of time, because busy people don't have hours to spend, but they might have 15 minutes, they might have 30 minutes, it might be that one quick call, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a coffee face to face, but it's just being really clear about what it is you're looking to develop how you can be really time efficient about that and maybe even some value that you could bring to the table. So it mightn't be something you can do immediately, but maybe there's something that you can offer up uh, at a later point. I think there's there's this really fine balance too as you're moving up through your career, uh, as you're needing to reach out to people who've been there and done it, just finding that balance around not asking a lot from the same people all the time either, That thinking how you spread those requests in a way, that's sensitive to time and, uh, and, and you know, I guess time and availability essentially. So it's just being smart about that because that's going to work better for you um, as well. You're going to get what you need. It's not going to be random and, and you know, like a blind date, if you like, hoping sure. that, you know, there's some value to, to be had. You're, you're going in with a clear idea around what, what it is that you need, um, you know, from that meeting or, or from that person you're reaching out to.
0: No, I I think that's really good advice. You guys also do, and I think it's kind of a big thing in the the news lately more than it kind of seems to have been in maybe previous years a bit, about kind of bridging the kind of gender pay gap. And so how do you guys kind of work with companies to actually make that a reality?
1: Sure. So in the UK, we have legislation now which... um, which means that companies with over two hundred and fifty employees need to report on what they're paying men and women. Okay, interesting. And and that that is split across uh, the the four quartiles of the organisation, uh, where that's been fascinating. And I mean, we're at a point now to the the final. We're coming up to the final um, deadline, if you like, on the on the fourth of April. So we're seeing companies are essentially pushing their data live at the moment, and you know, there's some pretty horrific stories coming out and And what we're seeing time and time again is particularly in the top half of companies. Not only are there enough women, but the men are actually being paid more at those senior roles. So uh, we've had banks that have come out, you know they're paying their men two times more than their women. And all of a sudden there's this transparency around, I guess what uh, what we knew was 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 an issue, but it's it's giving some some real cold, hard facts. Um, where this is really interesting, whilst there's no sort of fines or anything like that in place, Companies do need to talk about the action plan that they have in place to support, uh, well, to actually look at changing these numbers. So where uh, where we're focused is we're very focused on um, on, on helping them with their sponsorship programs okay. and. You know, being able to help uh, help them sort of manage, measure, and scale that, which has often been a huge issue because um, the measurement's been very difficult. But essentially, if we can help their their leaders and their management be better sponsors of women, we know that they're going to be able to retain them and move them up through the organization, which is like a a key uh, feature of the product. So it's really around uh, the sponsorship tool that we're working directly with companies on, and. By putting something like this in place, they can actively start to support and also measure what is happening with those, say, those mid-level uh, management women, and how are they supporting their journey to get them through to the senior levels of the organisation? And look, in saying that too, they still will need to recruit more num- uh, more women um, at the top as well, and and recruitment is 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 really important. However. We need to make sure we're helping these companies hold on to those great hires too, and that they are staying and they're they're progressing uh, to the uh, the top levels of the organization. And that's for us. That's really the focus: turning uh, all of these commitments, these market commitments, companies are saying they're going to do, and helping them turn them into real action. Sure.
0: So for for people like, how do they even kind of start? Because I think there's there seems to be like obviously with all the kind of negative stuff coming out of Hollywood and, and a bunch of stuff like that in the last little while've I've read stuff kind of where people are, are willing to do this they they're maybe confused about either how to get started or they're kind of worried about just kind of if they do something wrong but like how do you or how do people actually get started on saying like how like I want to you know promote within my organization and make sure, that the women that I do have actually stay? And then how do they go about actually potentially recruiting more women for their company? Like, how do they go about that?
1: Well, okay. There's, 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 I guess there's two, um, two points you touched on. I mean, I, firstly it's a company's intention to say they want to do something differently. So the first step in that, in that process is about having, you know, talent programs or network groups in place that support, in this case, a a woman's journey in that organization. So looking what what is the support that's in place? And then secondly, what are we doing to invest in this talent? So what are the programs to develop them but to also also make them feel supported and engaged within the organization? So I guess you have to do like a little mini audit of that and look at putting an action plan um, in place and then with regards to recruitment, I mean, you know, this has been a pretty hot space in technology disruption as well, where you know, we are certainly seeing a lot of companies that are popping up that can do things and, and de-bias the recruitment process. So, um, you know, it's not what we do. We don't touch recruitment, but there's there's plenty of great tech out there now where with regards to recruitment, you can be stripping out names, for example, or stripping out the university they went to, so that you can be more objective and uh, in the decision that you're making. So that's a way of making sure that you are getting enough women, I guess, into uh, that recruitment process. You can also push pretty hard on your um, either your internal recruiter or your headhunters or external recruitment group, and and be asking them for lists that are 50-50, um, men and women. And you know, it's it's funny, like people do tend to be quite motivated by a bonus or what you're paying them. So if there's obviously a financial reward linked through to that that list and that quality of list that you're seeing as a, a company from from the recruiter, um, you know, you'll you'll start to see I think your fifty-fifty lists pretty quickly. So there is lots of great female talent out there. And yes, from time to time the recruitment company may have to work a little bit harder. But actually, if it's linked to what they're being paid, you might find that you get the result that you need anyway. So it's, you know, it's actually asking for those things up front.
0: Sure. No, that makes sense. And and I think, like, finding anybody that's qualified for, for probably even any senior role is challenging. Never mind, it doesn't really matter if they're a man or a woman, right? Like, I think it can course, be really yeah. challenging. And, like, you just need to be willing to put in the effort, right, to actually find a really good quality candidate,
1: right? Oh, look, top talents. I mean, it is always hard to find, and you have to work a bit harder. I mean, I get emails daily from friends in corporates and startups asking me if I know talented people, and that's everything from developers through to relationship managers. Sure. So, um, and I'm not a recruiter. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, fair. I
0: get asked that, that too. Yeah.
1: You know, and and that's not about men or women. That is just about hey, we need the top people to work with us, and that is that is always a challenge.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. So. I I want to get back into kind of like working a little bit. You guys kind of it do kind of some learning and and development kind of stuff and and you kind of measure that. How do you guys kind of work with companies to actually prove to them that when they're working with you guys that, you know, you can show what's working and what and what's maybe not working so well?
1: Well, I mean, I guess it's always a little bit harder to explain some of the stuff verbally without things like dashboards um, sure. in, in front of us. So, I mean, what I say to clients is typically, you know, you have, you'll have you have more data on day one of our program than you would have ever have had on any of the, the current programs that you're running. And that's, that's really t- true because where we're different is we're not trying to help an organization make sense of existing data to tell a a story to market, we're helping them create new data based on kind of what their people are doing. And I guess that's really what makes us different. And that's really what gives us some very real results around, you know, what's working and what's not. And then a company can dive a bit deeper around what they then want to do. So again, we are giving them a level of transparency, which, you know, historically didn't exist.
0: Sure. No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And and you guys also do stuff with onboarding, which I think a lot of companies kind of fail at and don't really give their their new hires, you know, they basically throw them into the deep end of the pool and hope they swim and not sink, right? So how do you guys kind of work with a company to actually get new employees, you know, kind of on the right path to actually succeed in their new role?
1: Well, essentially it's about – well, it's big about a little bit smarter around what already exists. So, you know, a lot of companies have in place a buddy program or a mentor program to help, uh, you know, new hires kind of find their way through the the firm. So we do that with technology. So we – you know, our technology allows a match to happen as soon as you start and then ensures that uh, with that match your buddy or your mentor – they're actually helping you do the things that you need as a, as a new joiner to that firm. And, you know, sometimes when people get busy, they don't get around to be able to do all that stuff. The technology ensures that, you know, kind of the, the key things do happen and that, that new joiner is having a, a great experience. And then obviously the, the company also has some data to understand around, you know, how that how that experience has played out and they can sort of have that extra level of, of feedback.
0: Sure. And, and you keep mentioning like dashboards and kind of data and stuff. So do certain members of the organization kind of get to see a whole kind of view of their entire organization or or walk us through kind of like what do I get as say the employer to kind of see how my company is doing with with your with working
1: well look I mean I don't think we're probably different to any other tech company in the way that you know our our program owner or executive has access to you know the full results of how a program is running, and they can see that through, you know, a web-based dashboard. So I don't, I don't think that's kind of, that's not the radical thing. If you, if you like, the radical thing is the data that's in that okay. dashboard. And, okay. um, but yes, I mean, program owners, as would be for any program owner of any piece of technology in an enterprise, um, you know, have access to, um, you know, how the program is progressing.
0: Okay, so what kind of stuff is in that dashboard? I know it's kind of hard to explain without seeing, but like how, what types of data can I kind of expect in my dashboard?
1: Um, it really depends, to be, to be honest, I okay. mean, on the, on the program that we're supporting. So um, if it is, you know, if it's something like around, you know, pure, ment- pure mentoring, you're able to see, you know, how your mentors are supporting the journey of the people that they're they're mentoring and that's by seeing sort of the type of things that they're doing and what's happening as a result of that so it's really a breakdown around those those type of actions and and broader activity um that's happening between um between that relationship
0: okay no that makes sense but uh we're coming to the end of the show so let's maybe close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys online and any other links you want to mention
1: yeah, sure. So, um, by all means, we have a website like every other tech company, and it is it's, it's getworkin. So, g e t w e r k i n dot com, and you can find anything about our uh, our business there. You can also find us on Twitter, uh, with the handle uh, getworkin. You can find me on Twitter. I can certainly be better at using it, but at Hayley Sudbury, uh, you can also find my TED talk if you Google TEDx Haley Sudbury. And uh, that's called How to Hack the Workplace in 10 Minutes. Hopefully, it'll be an interesting 10 minutes for you.
0: Perfect, Haley. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: All right. Take care, Kevin. Uh, Thanks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also, check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.